you know, I want to share my story with you today. Pastor Zenzo really wanted me to, and I was glad because I, I, I get excited to tell what God has done for me. He's done so many wonderful things. And, and so I am going to share that with you, and I'm going to talk to you about moving forward in your life. Listen, God doesn't want you to stay where you're at. He wants you to move forward. And so he actually, he wants you to move forward not only into victory, but into your purpose and into your destiny that he has for you. And, and you have to realize, this is so important to understand, that God did not create you to be stuck in life. He didn't create you to be stuck in the past in the current circumstances, he didn't expect you and he didn't create you to be stuck in hurt and heartache. God expects you to move forward. And with your help, you can always move forward in him. Amen. Actually, God created you for greatness. Do you believe that? He put greatness inside of you. There are gifts. There are talents. There, there, the Holy Spirit is in you. There are things in you that people need and that only you can give them because God created you for purpose. And he created on purpose and for a purpose. He created you on purpose and for a purpose. I want you to really get that in your spirit tonight because whatever it is you're dealing with, whatever it is you're going through right now, there is more that God has for you. God has more to do through you and in you. And I think about the scripture in Proverbs 24, 16 that says this. It's one of my favorite scriptures. It says, for though a righteous man falls seven times, what does he do? He rises again. Now, first of all, that scripture tells us that we are going to fall. How many of you are guilty of falling? You're guilty of failing. You're guilty of sinning. And so we are going to fall. This is talking about the righteous person. So we are going to fall. But let me tell you what this scripture says. The sign of a mature Christian is that you get back up and move forward. You see, the enemy would like to keep you down in defeat and guilt and condemnation. I'm not worthy to move forward. But God says, no, if you want to be a mature child of God, then you dust yourself off and you get back up and you move forward in me. Amen. Don't let anything stop you from moving forward in God. So let's read this scripture, Isaiah 43, verses 2 and 3. The Bible says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When, they, when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, and the flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. And look down at verse 18. It says this. Forget the former things. Say forget. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Let me ask you, how many of you are going through something right now you'd like to get out of it? Well, God is telling you through this scripture, he is saying, I'm going to make a way out of that desert. I'm going to make streams in that, in that uh, wasteland. You see, God is bringing you out. It didn't come to stay. It came to pass in your life. Amen. But this is what you have to understand. God wants you to perceive the new things that he has for you. He wants you to perceive that he has purpose and destiny for you. He wants you to perceive that he doesn't want you to stay in that place. He doesn't want you to remain stuck. He has victory in store for you because that's what Proverbs 2, 7 says. God holds victory in store for you. But, you know, I want to mention this. In order to take hold of the new, many times we have to let go of the old. Many times we have to forget the old. 
We have to forget the past. What did the Apostle Paul say? This one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Don't you dare think about giving up. Let me tell you something. Giving up is so overrated. It doesn't get you anywhere. It doesn't do anything for you. But pressing forward into your purpose makes all the difference in the world. You know, this is, this is what I've had to do in my life. I've had many obstacles that I've had to face. And this is what my parents had to do when I was born with a crippling disease. And the doctors told my parents that I would probably never walk or talk. I had no muscle tone in my body. Like a normal baby, I couldn't lift my head. I couldn't move my limbs. I was just a limp little baby, and my parents knew that something was wrong. They found out that the, the, because the cord was wrapped around my neck that I uh, didn't get the oxygen that I needed. And so my, my, my parents took me back to the doctor, and after examination, they said, you're going to have to take care of your daughter the rest of her life. She'll probably be in a wheelchair the rest of her life. She's never going to walk or talk. And, and, uh, and so you're going to just have to accept that fact. Well, my parents, my dad was the pastor of a successful denominational church at that time. He was a fiery preacher. He got people saved. But, you know, in his denomination, he was taught that God didn't do miracles anymore. He was taught that the day of miracles was over, that Jesus didn't heal anymore. But you know what? When, when he was faced with my situation, he decided to search the Word of God for himself. You know, this was a new day, and so he began to read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. And you know what my dad did? He took off his denominational glasses. He took off his traditional religious glasses, and instead of just listening to what he'd been taught, he began to say, God, reveal your word to me. And when he got into the Gospels, he saw that everywhere Jesus went, he helped people, he loved people, and he healed people. One thing my dad saw in the word was this, that God is a good God, and, and Satan is the one that brings destruction into your life. And one of the scriptures that set my, my dad free was this, Hebrews 13, 8, that says, Jesus Christ, he is the same yesterday, he is the same today, and he is the same forever. Amen. And when he read that, something broke in him, and he talked to my mother, and with their newfound faith, they just said, God, we need a miracle. God, we believe that you are still a healer, and we ask you to heal our daughter. Well, it didn't happen overnight, but as they just remained in faith and believed God, do you know, after a while, I began to move my limbs. After a while, finally, I lifted my head, and I, and I sat up. And by the time I was one year old, I was completely healed because God did such a miracle for me. Amen. Every year when I'd go back to my pediatrician, she would look at me, and she would say this, there's the miracle girl. She knew what a miracle God did for me. My parents found out that there never was a day of miracles, but we serve a God of miracles. He is still, still a miracle worker. And that's when my parents founded Lakewood Church because they wanted a church that believed in the power of the Holy Spirit. They wanted a church where they could pray for the sick and, and they could believe God for miracles. And that's how Lakewood was founded. And we've been seeing miracle after miracle after miracle for all these years. God has been so good to us. This is the first point in truth I want to leave, leave to you, uh, give to you. Don't let anyone tell you what God cannot do in your life. Listen, God can do what he wants to do. With God, all things are possible. You know, sometimes we have to let go of what others have taught us if it doesn't line up with the word of God. I mean, people mean well, but did you know they can only teach us what they know? 
Sometimes that's all they know, and that was the case for my, my parents. You can read the Bible for yourself. God will speak to you, to yourself, because he loves you, and he wants to reveal himself to you. I remember, this is funny, but one time someone told my mother in those days, she, they said, uh, Dodie, it's not right for you to wear makeup. That's not a holy thing to do. And so she quit wearing makeup for a while, and after three days, I said, forget it, Dodie. Put your makeup back on. This is not going to cut it in our house. But see, sometimes religion is about man-made rules. It just is. But Christianity is about a real and personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and your heavenly Father. You know, my dad said to me one day, he said, Lisa, Satan has fought you since the day you were born. And he said, but he didn't stop there. I love that he said this. But he said, that only tells me one thing. God must have big plans for your life. And I can tell you right now, you may feel like you're in the heat of the battle. You may feel like you're in the biggest battle you've ever been in. But it only says to me that God has big plans for your life. So this is not the time to give up. This is the time to move forward. Can I have an amen? amen. Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have abundant life. God is saying, don't get me mixed up with Satan. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come that you might have abundant life. You know, the Bible tells us that God has an amazing plan for each one of our lives. But this is what I've learned, and this is what the Bible teaches, that Satan also has a plan for your life. And he is very strategic, and he wants to keep you from God's abundant life. That's it in a nutshell. And so the Bible, the, uh, you have to realize that you have to learn to recognize the plans of the enemy in your life. The Bible says that he has schemes. The enemy has schemes and plans in your, in your life. And so you have to learn to recognize him. If it's not good, it's not God. Amen. Don't blame God for the bad things in your life. God is the one who wants to help you. Amen. We can resist Satan in the name of Jesus. We can resist his plans for our, li his li our lives and move forward. Amen. Amen. How are y'all up there in that back? I just see y'all up there in the very back. I'm telling you, it's so good to see you. It's, it's neat to see all the people full and up there standing up. God bless you. Now I got off track. You know, I'm talking about how you have to resist the plans of the enemy. It's like our German shepherd dog that we grew up. His name was Scooter. We grew up with him, and he was a great dog and a fun dog, and we all loved him. My dad was especially proud of him because he would take him on walks, and, and he was just so majestic. And, and every time he got to this one corner uh, of, our, of our block, there was a cat there, and he would see that cat, and that cat would run as soon as he saw Scooter. And Scooter would chase that cat and barely miss him as he ran up the tree. Well, my dad was so proud of him for that, and he said, one day he's going to catch that cat. One day he's going to be a dead cat. And so anyway, one day something did happen. On this trip, Scooter chased the cat, but instead of running, this time the cat stopped, stood up with its claws out, and Scooter made this rapid U-turn and ran from the cat. <laughs> my dad was so embarrassed. He was so humiliated that, that Scooter had did that. And so we thought about it, and we realized that that cat must have been going to Lakewood Church. <laughs> he found out who he was in Christ Jesus. He was made for more than being tormented by a dog. Okay, really, the cat was being, he was, he was fed up. 
being tormented by Scooter. He took a stand against his enemy. And that's what we have to do in life. We have to take a stand against our enemy. It's very easy to put up with things, put up with little things, and to think that, you know, we don't have to do anything about it. But many times we are waiting on God, and God is waiting on us to stand up and resist the enemy in our lives and say no to the devil in our lives. And just like my mom pushed forward when she didn't feel like it, and she went to church and, and she prayed for the sick, we have to move forward whether we feel good or not. We have to move forward whether it feels good or not. We may not be comfortable. We may not feel strong, but we must move forward. We must not settle for the plans of the enemy in our life. You know, um, I'm going to tell you something else that happened in my life. It was in 1990, and I worked at Lakewood Church. I've been working there for many years, and it was my uh, duty at that time to open my parents' personal mail. And so, you know, they received gifts in the mail. They received cassette tapes back then, Bibles, and all these different things. And so I was used to opening packages. But this one day, we received a package, and it was unusually heavy. I actually had a hesitation about opening, and I had somebody coming into my office. And I picked it up, and I put it down three times. And, and uh, when I picked it up, it was, it was not only heavy, it would rattle. And so curiosity got the best of me, and I just... I was sitting at my desk, and it was like a shoebox, and it, I just set it down right here like this on my lap. Well, little did I know I was about to open a mail bomb that someone had sent to my dad. We don't know why they did that. I took off the brown paper, and there was one piece of tape left. And when I opened that one piece of tape, that's the last thing I remembered for a while because that pipe bomb exploded in my lap. And I thought at, at that time that I was dying. In fact, I, I asked the Lord two questions. I said, Lord, am I dying? Is this death? Now, I just look back on that and I think I had no fear at that time. I just plainly talked to the Lord. I'm telling you, when you know Jesus, you never have to be afraid of death. And, and I said to the Lord, am I dying? Is this death? And after I asked him those two questions, I came to my senses. And I was actually standing like six feet away from my desk. I didn't know how I got there, but I was shaking like I had been electrocuted. And so when I finally, you know, stopped shaking and came to my senses, I looked down. And I had on a leather skirt that day, which the paramedics said really helped protect me. But my clothes were smoldering like I had been on fire. And I looked around, and there were holes in my office. You see, that pipe bomb had 10-inch nails in it. It had shrapnel in it. Some of that shrapnel is still in my body. I, it it uh, really poked three holes in my abdomen right here. It took out some, uh, poked a hole in my leg here, and, and it took out some muscle. But let me tell you something. To make a long story short, God did such a great miracle that day because I could have been killed. And even the paramedic, uh, you know, that was on duty just looked at my dad and said, somebody had to be standing between your daughter and that bomb. And we knew it was an angel of the Lord Jesus Christ because there is no way that thing didn't blow up in my face and blow up on my heart and blow my body up. God guided that thing and he kept it from, uh, from touching me. And uh, so it was another great miracle. It went all over CNN headline news. And what I love about it is that my, my parents just turned it in as a turned it into a miracle for God's glory. Everyone that talked to them, they said, listen, God is a miracle worker. He did a miracle for our daughter, and we give him all the praise and glory. 
And that was so awesome. And so, you know, I, uh, uh, we, never, we never found out the person that sent that bomb. I even reenacted it for Unsolved, uh, Unsolved Mysteries. Sometimes I still see it on there. Can you believe it? After all these years. And it, it garnered a lot of uh, uh, facts or details or calls. But no one ever was able to pinpoint who did that. But what I love about my parents in that situation, too, is that they just got out in front of the church and they said, you know what, we're, we're going to just forgive that person right now. And we're going to pray that they come into the kingdom of God. And that's what we did. And so that set the tone for me and the whole church. And you know what? We forgave that person and we moved forward. But I will tell you, I didn't move forward without a fight first. Because let me tell you something. Fear came against me. When I got out of that hospital, fear came against me. And I had all these terrible thoughts. And, you know, my, my, in the natural, I just wanted to stay at home. I didn't want to go to work. I didn't want to think about what happened to me. But I had enough of the Word of God in me to know that I could not see myself as a victim, but as a victor. And I knew that the Word of God said that God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. And so I just fought through that in the name of Jesus. Every time those thoughts came, I just replaced them with the Word of God. And instead of staying at home, I went to work. I got in my car. I just did exactly what the opposite of what the devil wanted me to do. And do you know what? Within two to three weeks, that fear was gone from me. And I have never, ever been faced with that again. Because God is such a good God. And His Word is true. When you put His Word in your heart and in your mind, it will change your life. Amen. Satan tried to destroy me with the bomb, but you know what I say now? I am the bomb. <laughs> I own that now. No, and so are you. You're the bomb. Say, I'm the bomb. Amen. Let me tell you something. If you will trust God, if you will stick with Jesus no matter what you go through, his plans will always prevail. I'm just telling you, stick with Jesus. It's tempting to get mad at God. It's tempting to walk away from God. No, he's the one that's going to bring you through. Proverbs 21, 30 says, There's no wisdom, insight, or plan that can succeed against our Lord. I want to tell you one more story. I don't know if you know this, Pastor Zinzo, but when I graduated from college, I got married. I married a pastor. That's what I wanted to do. I thought this would be a lifetime thing, and I wanted to be like my mom, be a pastor's wife, have a bunch of kids, because we loved ministry. We loved just being, uh, I loved uh, helping people. And so that's what I thought I wanted to do. But sometimes, how many of you know, things don't turn out like we planned. And so two years into that marriage, all of a sudden, my ex-husband began to change. And he began to make strange decisions. And he sort of deceived me into going home for a while. This is when my mother was uh, still fighting cancer. And do you know that when I got home, uh, he sent divorce papers in the mail? And I was so devastated. I mean, it just knocked me upside the head. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. And even though I tried to talk to him, I even tried to go back, he never would have anything to do with me after that. And so you can imagine how depressed I was and how 
uh, really embarrassed and humiliated. I felt disqualified for the ministry now because, you know, of all things, my parents were married for years and years, and that's all I wanted, you know. And, I, and the other thing is I'd been serving the Lord since I was a little girl, and, and so it was mind-boggling to me, you know, and I kept asking, what did I do wrong, and what happened, and why did this happen? And, and you know, sometimes we don't need the enemy. We just torment ourselves. And, and you know, I was just tormenting myself with all these questions, and, and so I, I sometimes when we are, you know, we replay the situation over and over when we need to be deleting, you know, those things in our mind. And so I was in this hard time, and and uh, it was it was for about six weeks that I stayed at home. I was I was hoping God to, hoping that God would do a miracle in that situation, and. So anyway, I, I will, let me just stop and say this. I want to stop and fast forward for a moment. You know what? God healed my broken heart. He, he delivered me from that situation, from the hurts, and he gave me a new and improved husband this time. <laughs> Kevin and I have been uh, married for 26 years, going on 27 years. We have three children, twin girls that are 19 and a, twin, and a son who is 16 years old. So God has completely restored my life. Just when you think your life is over, it's like God moves in and bam, that's where he does his best work. That's just the way it is. You think you're at the lowest point of your life. God is just saying, oh, no, this is where I do my best work. That's the way God is. Psalm 130 verse 7 says, with the Lord is full redemption. See, my, my ex-husband thought he kicked me out, but he just kicked me up into the plans of God. Amen. But the second truth I want to share with you is this. Don't allow a moment to become a lifetime. You see, I could have done that. Too many people get stuck in a disappointment. You know why? Because I did it. I was stuck in self-pity. And, and so I didn't understand what was going on. But then I realized the Bible says, Jesus said this in John 16, 33. He said, in this life, you will have trouble. You will have trials, you'll have distress, you'll have frustration, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. And so I realized at an early age that God, God never said we wouldn't have trouble, but he promised that he would help us overcome. And so after six weeks of, of staying in the house and crying, I would call my dad often who was at the office at the church working, and I would tell him, you know, I'm not going to make it. And this one time I called him, and I said, I was serious. I said, Daddy, I'm having a nervous breakdown. And he said, no, Lisa, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And I just interrupted him, and I said, no, I'm having one right now. And he said, Hold on, Lisa, someone wants to talk to you. And there was a wonderful man of God. I don't know if you remember him, Reverend T.L. Osborne, that was in the office talking to my great man of God. He's in heaven now. And so he said to me, he said, Lisa, let me talk to you. Do you mind if I talk to you like a father? And I said, no, that's fine. And I was still crying. He said, you know, I know what it means to lose someone. And he said, I just want to encourage you and help you. And I said, okay. And he said, do you want to know why you're crying so much? Now, remember, I've been crying for six weeks. And he, I said, yes, I wanted this great revelation from God. You know, and he said, it's because you're feeling sorry for yourself. I thought, is there anybody else there that could talk to me? Because I really don't like this. This is not what I wanted to hear. But how many of you know it's the wounds of a friend that bring healing? And you know what? T.L. Osborne got my attention. 
And he said, Lisa, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I lost my own son. I've been through loss. I know what it's like to hurt. But I want you to know that your life is not over. And he said, it is time to stop crying and to hold your head up, to put your shoulders back and realize that God will take this scar and he will make it a star for him. And that really touched my heart, and it was a great, really, shift for me. It was a turnaround for me, and I, and I realized that what the enemy means to destroy you, God will use to elevate you. Amen. And so uh, I realized that if I continue to stay home and obsess over this, that I wasn't going to go anywhere. And so my dad finally said, can you believe I'd been in church all my life? And I hadn't been in church for like six weeks, and he finally said to me, he said, Lisa, he said, come back to church. You need church. You need the people to pray for you. And I, and I, I said, okay. And so he just got up in front of 4,000 people, and I don't recommend you do this, but it was just the right thing for us. And he said, Lisa's back home. She's going through an unwanted divorce, and she needs your prayer. And I'll never forget what my dad told me before he did that. He said, Lisa, he said, we're, we're humans too. We hurt just like everybody else. And he said, we have prayed for the people of Lakewood all these years, and now it's time for them to pray for us. And I'll never forget the fact that my dad wasn't ashamed. He wasn't embarrassed. And my dad used to always say this, the church is not a museum to display perfect people. It's a place for the hurting. It's a place, it's a hospital for the hurting. It's a place of restoration. It's a place to move forward. Amen. I understand now why so many people, when they sin or they're hurting, they get out of church because they're ashamed and embarrassed. But let me tell you something. The church is where you need to be because that's where you get strong. And you have people here that will pray for you. You know, from that moment on, the people rushed down. They prayed for me. And from that moment on, when I would go through that church, you know what they were saying to me? Praying for you, Lisa. I love you, Lisa. You're going to make it, Lisa. And it made such a difference in my life. But not only this, listen what God does. I, that day, something unusual happened. This is how God can turn a situation around. After the service, two people came up and said, we're separated in our marriages. Would you pray for us? Well, I just thought, that is so strange. Don't you know I need prayer right now? And I just thought, that's the last thing I want to do is pray for you. And do you have faith in my prayers? Because I'm going through a divorce. It was the strangest thing, but I, that's all in my mind. I never said it. I put my hand out and I said, sure, I will. And I prayed for them. After every service, people would come to me and say, pray for me. So I began to call these people and I began to take them under my wings. And eventually I began to meet with them once a week and pray with them. And, and then eventually I, I decided they needed to hear the word of God. And so I just began to share with them what God was showing me and, and how he was restoring me and healing me. And so you have to realize this, that when you get your mind off of yourself, and on to other people, things drastically change. That's when you become strong again. And that's what was happening to me. Instead of staying at home, I was helping other people. I was getting full of the Word of God. I was studying to help them, to help these people out. And, you know, during that time, my dad came to me and he said, You know, Lisa, this was 1985. He said, Lisa, you're out there teaching those people. I want you to preach for me on Sunday when I'm in India. And you know, I did it with fear and trembling, but I preached that Sunday and I've been doing it ever since that time. You see, God, God is so good. Amen. I learned to preach in the worst trial of my life. God thrust me into my destiny in the worst trial of my life. I thought I was disqualified, but God used my situation to catapult me into my destiny. 
I thought I was supposed to be a pastor's wife. God said, no, I want you to be a pastor and I want you to be a preacher. You see, God has great plans for you. The third truth I want to leave with you is this. Just because you've been wounded doesn't mean you have to live a wounded life. Listen, God can heal the brokenhearted. I'll never forget when I cried out to God and I said, God, I know you have more for me, but I'm so broken inside. But I said, I I implore you because you said you heal the brokenhearted and you bind up our wounds. And I said, God, I need a miracle in in my heart and my emotions. And God touched me. And he healed me. And I'm telling you, I've been through a lot. And this is only part of what I've been through. But I'm telling you, I'm the happiest person you could ever meet. I'm so full of joy because God is a God of restoration. God will restore your joy. Some of you haven't laughed in a long time. And God is going to restore your laugh. He's going to do something new in your life. Even today, I believe that. And then, you know, God spoke this to me one time. Just catch this for yourself. People will try to minimize and criticize you. But God is about to maximize and supersize you. It doesn't matter what people people do to your life. How they mistreat you or what you say. God has the final say. If you will just trust him and stay close to Jesus. The last thing I want to leave is this. Always move forward in life. Always. God only has one gear and it's forward. It's not backwards, it's not reverse, it's not uh, neutral or even park. God is not through with you. God is not disappointed in you. God sees the potential in you. And God will bring you out to victory. For for though a righteous man falls seven times, what does he do? He rises again. And today I just feel like God is saying it's time for you to get back up. It's time for you to rise again. It's time for you to get back up and realize That God put purpose in you. He put greatness in you. And the very thing that came to destroy you, God is going to use to elevate you. Do you receive that in the name of Jesus? Amen and amen. Let me just take a minute. Why don't you close your eyes for just a moment. Bow your heads. First of all, I just want to pray for a couple of things, if you don't mind. No one looking. If you're here today and you say, Lisa... I'm in that place of being broken. I'm hurting. I'm wounded. I'm questioning. I'm angry. I don't know why all this happened, but I want to get free today and move forward. I want you to stand up right now wherever you are. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to pray for you. No one's looking. Amen. Listen, I want to speak to each and every one of you. This is a new day for you. God is saying by His Spirit, do you perceive what I want to do in your life. Sometimes we're clouded by all the negative in your life and in our lives. And God is saying, do you not perceive it? It's like he's begging you. He's imploring you. Do you not see that I have more for you than to stay where you are? Lift your hands right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person that is standing. I declare over them that this is a new day, Father. That it is a new season and you are shifting them, Father, into their new purpose, into their new season in the name of Jesus. But, Father, first, I pray like you did for me, that you would heal their brokenhearted. I pray that you would heal them of the hurts. Father, this day, I thank you that they are letting go of the negative things that have been done to them, the negative things that have been said to them, Father, in the name of Jesus. If you believe that, everybody just say, I'm letting go. I let go of the hurt. 
I let go of the bitterness. I let go of the mistreatment. I let go of the anger. In the name of Jesus. And Father, I'm shifting with you. I'm moving forward in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that this is a new day. And from this day forward, I thank you that never again will they be stuck in life. Never again, Father, will they dwell in this place. But right now, Father, in Jesus' name, they are shifting into that new gear, that new season, the newness that you have in them. And, Father, I pray that you'd begin to show them their purpose. I pray that you'd bring out their gifts and their talents. I pray that you'd be begin to use them on a daily basis with the people that they meet, Father. I pray that you would restore their joy, Father. I command all depression to go from them. I command all oppression and heaviness to go from in the from them. In the mighty name of Jesus, and Father, I loose your powerful joy in their life. I thank you that they will laugh again, and they will enjoy life on your level. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. With your eyes still closed, your heads bowed. If you were here today and you would say, Lisa, I don't think I've entered into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I've never prayed the salvation prayer. If I died today, I'm not so sure where I'd spend eternity. I don't really have peace with God. But I want to pray that salvation prayer with you today. I want you to raise your hand right now. Amen. I see those hands. You can put them down. Anybody else you want to be in on that prayer? Amen. You can put your hands down. If you're here and you say, Lisa, I have known the Lord, but I've been away from him. And I just want to say that I want to come back to you, to the Lord Jesus today. I, I just want to repent of my sins, not in front of everybody, but there in your seat. And I want to get in on that prayer. I want you to raise your hand right now. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Congregation, let's pray this prayer with them. Say, oh God, I come to you right now just as I am, a sinner in need of a Savior. And I thank you that you love me anyway. You accept me just like I am. Today, Father, I repent of my sins and all that I've done wrong. And I freely receive your forgiveness that Jesus bought for me on the cross of Calvary. Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I want to serve you all the days of my life. And I thank you, God, that you've heard my prayer. And you're now more than my God. You're my Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody look up this way. Give them a good hand clap.